It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. We're here in Whangarei, and I tell you who's not, because he's at the palatious. He's at his salubrious, The second home. Flemington Stables. It's Roggie. Graham Rogerson's on the line. Morning, Graham. Yeah, morning. I'm just out in the middle of the track. I just he's just out on the track working. <laughs> hey, and how's it looking, Graham? We, all, everyone here on SENZ, they have heard yesterday when J Mac jumped off that your ride is going great guns. Is that right? Oh, he, he makes trainers look good. He, uh, <laughs> he he's an incredible horse. Uh, he, he eats, and then not many horses can do what he's done. You know, he had a 10-hour float trip. He ate his breakfast when he arrived. Yesterday, when he... I just let him go out in the grass. He worked a mile or so. He came up his last furlong in 12.1 with his ears pricked on the bridle. You know, takes a good horse to do that. And he don't mind it if it's wet or dry. I think he's better on the dry. But uh, he's, he's just unlimited of what he, I think he's going to do. I think next time in, he could be something real special. Right, we're talking sharp and smart with Graham Rogerson. And sharp and smart, if you backed him last weekend, you would be happy. You got about $8.50 with the New Zealand TAB, a crazy price. Hugh Bowman tried his hardest to make us work for it, though, Graham. Um, talk to me about not just that week, last weekend gone, but were you always going to back him up in the derby with one week? Like, you don't fool anyone, Roger. You're a master trainer. Was this always the plan? Well, it's a massive ask. It's a massive ask. And, you know, the competition between Melbourne and Sydney, you know, uh, and uh, he shifted the dates because uh, I originally was going to run him in the champion stakes. And if he won in the Cox Plate, but uh, the hierarchy put them on the same day. So, you know, it was worth 2.15 to the winner. You know, the, uh, I mean, the race in Sydney, you know. So, but it was, he probably was a victim of circumstances. He got three caught, three wide, but he doesn't pull, he just gets in the rhythm. The, probably the worst thing he does, he's just quite happy to stay alongside the other horses. He certainly doesn't win by much, you know, but that's him. And I think when he learns to be a racehorse, uh, he'll, he'll be uh, sort of be better, I'm hoping, anyway. He is one of those horses that seems to just do enough, doesn't he? Some of them just like to just do enough. And, oh, well, if he's a great horse, he'll find the line first no matter what. Barrier three, James McDonald on. Could there be a better barrier for him in the derby? Well, I don't know. It's, it's up to James. I think James got a shock when he rode the horse, you know. And Huey's been telling me for a while how good he is. Uh, so, you know, he... 
he probably was unlucky in the races in Queensland, but he didn't really know even what he was doing, the horse, you know. So uh, he certainly, everyone wants to see him. He's a he certainly got a good name and he's doing New Zealand proud, you know. He's a, a real good Kiwi racehorse, I think. Hey, hey, Graham, just map the race out for us. You've got Mr. Maestro in there as well. That's going okay. It's drawn the car park. How do you think the race will map out? Oh, I don't know, mate. He can ride him anywhere, this horse. Originally, I was going to lead on him in the gloaming uh, when, the, when the races were called off that day. But he'll, he can ride him wherever he wants to ride him. He's on him. We've got to go 2,500 for three-year-olds, so we'll give him a good ride. I think Mr. Mosho, he's in the box next to him, actually, in the in the stables here at Flemington. Uh, he's a nice little horse, and he he certainly uh, had a good preparation, uh, but it's going to be hard for him from the outside alley. He's going to have to go around them at some stage. I think there are two great chances that Kiwi horses. I think it could be a Quinella. I don't want to say it out loud, but I just did. Um, Roger, you've you've obviously been there with some champions before, um, Savabil, and then of course efficient like the the Victorian media. They must love having you back. Are you personally feeling the love being back there with another good one? Like you, you can't just turn up without something. And you, you've spoken about how good you think Sharp and Smart is. But personally, for you, is it cool to be back in the big smoke with a really nice horse? Oh, it's good to borrow. Uh, the you know coronavirus. And they they get their money out of you with the press and everything for sure. You know, <laughs> but I mean, it's good if we can do that. Racing, and they are very good, you know. Uh, I mean, they, they're hoping, I think, to get over 80,000. Wow. 80,000. You reckon they want to get the money out of you? Apparently, you want to get the money out of Peter Volandis. Uh, he's a, he comes in New Zealand, actually. He is a, he's a champion bloke, Peter. I've known him probably for 40 years, you know. And uh, he's going to make some announcements, I think, when he comes back from New Zealand. He told me Is he? he's going to run for $20 million next year. Say, wow. that one, say that one again. If the Everest is going to be $20 million. Wow. And you're going, aren't you, Roddy? <laughs> Do you have one fast enough, Roddy? <laughs> <laughs> I... I, I I, I had a couple of horses that won that race where the Empress hit slot in Sydney many years ago, Mass Party and the Century Kid. I'd love to have them today. But, you know, racing, I think, in Australia, it's certainly, since I was here, what, 14, 15 years ago, you know, it's really taken off, you know. And it's probably a, the good side of it, Sydney against Melbourne, I mean, the, the big race in Sydney's ten million tomorrow. Yeah. you know that's a hell of a stake, buddy. Hey, Roger, Roger, just one question before we let you go. Sharp and smart. You've had plenty. You've had plenty of good winners. What's he remind you of? He reminds me also like what a nuisance and efficient. You know, 
the year we won the derby with efficient, we thought he could win the Melbourne Cup and he had a bit of a knee issue. Uh, he's certainly up with them. And uh, the, the, the chairman here, they're desperate for me to run him in the champion's stayers next Saturday here. But I've got him booked on a plan next Wednesday to come home. And, I mean, you can't... How much, how much can you go to the well. I know it's three million next week, but uh I think this will be his finale, like twenty five hundred in the in the wet. It rained here last night. Yeah, they had some rain. So it's gonna be a hard twenty five hundred for those three year olds, you know. So it'll probably wow. be there and then he come home and we'll plan for the autumn. But I'm hoping able to run him in the I'd like to run him in the Herbie Dyke in New Zealand and Huey Bowman's already agreed to come and ride him. Oh, that'd be so a serious that'd be a serious coup that'd be a coup for the Waikato Racing Club. Oh, it'd be a coup be. a coup for New Zealand racing. Roger, don't look, twenty five hundred, a grand final at the Derby, there's probably not many better places to leave it, but um we'll, we'll just follow you, mate. You you've done a fantastic job with this horse as you've done with Good many luck. in the past, mate. All the best and we look forward to seeing Thank how it plays out tomorrow much. afternoon. We just I just think Jay Mac just needs an answer luck. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, okay, Roger. There you go. Graham what a Rogerson. Runners from all across Aotearoa will be putting the finishing touches on their training and preparation for this weekend's Auckland Marathon, including our very own Joe Bell. Over 14,000 athletes will run the city on Sunday, 30th October, making the 2022 Auckland Marathon the biggest mass participation event in New Zealand since 2019. Kitty Price is an Auckland running coach set to compete and guess what, Louis? 200th marathon. We're raising money for the Gut Cancer Foundation. How good after watching friends in Whanau affected by cancer. There are 10 official charities aligned with the event, and over 9,000 donors have raised nearly 430k so far. It's awesome. What an incredible achievement. Morena Kitty, thanks for joining us this morning on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. How are you today? Hi, good morning. Oh, I'm fine, thank you. I'm fine. Looking forward to Sunday. Two, <laughs> 200. 200 marathons, that's <laughs> unreal. How did you get to this point? Um, just, well, I started um, probably about 20 years ago um, and I, I just got hooked into it. It's, and I was really lucky that my my passion became my job. So, um, yeah, it just, it just happens. <laughs> one, just you do one and then you kind of get addicted and you just do another one. And so there's so many great events out there that you just, you're spoiled for choice. <laughs> Just one, one so at a time. T- one at a time. Yeah, Kitty. I think the timing's amazing of this. Like, how many can you get in in a year or a month, for example? Um, well, the most I've done in one year was twenty-five marathons. Um, have done some stupid things like eight marathons in eight days, but yeah. <laughs> so you, it's you addictive, see, eh? um, it, it is. Yeah, and I think I really en- I enjoyed my first one. My first one was really really fun, and I really enjoyed it. And I think I just kept going from there. So I, I do have a lot of fun. I, I work with a lot of people that run marathons, so, and I run with a lot of people to help them do their marathons. So it's all, you know, it's about helping others as well. So, yeah, so no, it's, it's really good. I love it. So on Sunday I'm pacing. Um, I'm pacing the five-hour group, so I'll be at the back. But it's about helping, you know, first-timers over the line and, and, yeah, it's just about enjoyment more than racing at the moment. <laughs> 
Tell us a little bit about your journey in this Gut Cancer Foundation, Kitty, and, and the effect that it has had on you and the motivation that it's given you to raise so much money. Oh, um, well, I first got motivated to do fundraise for the Gut Cancer Foundation because my best friend, her husband, he was 56, he got diagnosed with gut cancer. He was a rugby player. There was nothing wrong with him. And he passed away within six months of being diagnosed. So seeing my best friend go through that was, was really hard. Um, but I've been working with the Gut Cancer Foundation for the last few years. I've been helping them with their, helping their charity runners prepare for the marathon. And I thought that this, this year I'd actually do some, use my milestone to help raise awareness. And it was really cool. The other day I was out running and I met this lady who'd been through mouth cancer and everything. And it was like, she said, you know, it's just raising awareness for those other cancers. So, you know, the less known ones. So it's been really, uh, and you know, I've had lots of close friends have had cancers as well. So my mother-in-law, you know, family friends, uh, family members and friends. So it's it's quite close to my heart to try and do oh, a little it bit. Sounds really, yeah. yeah, it sounds really personal for you, Kitty, which is awesome. Congratulations for, um, and, oh. and well done for getting getting there and putting yourself out there to do this and using your milestone to build some awareness. So on, on the, uh, the event oh, itself, like you, I'm Jim. sure you've done the, the, the Auckland Marathon a few times now. Where does it rank for you? Oh, um, well, it was my fastest marathon, so this would be my 17th time over the bridge. So I, I love it. It's a really good one. It's um, I love the course as well because, uh, you know, in that second half of the course, you can see all the front runners and all the people behind you, but also because it's so easy to get to. Uh, we run on those roads all the time. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a really good event. I love it. It's well organised. Um, going over the bridge is really cool. Really, really cool. Yeah, best bit. <laughs> Hey, hey, Kitty, we, we've actually got one of our producers, producers that's running the event tomorrow, Joe Bell. He's, uh, I've got to say, taken the bit by the horn about two months ago, three months, 12 weeks ago. Oh, really? Yeah. And yeah. and decided to run a half marathon. So he started with 1K and he's up to 12Ks and now he's obviously running the half marathon. Have you got any, oh, being wow. a coach, have you, got any, have you got any tips for him tomorrow on Sunday? Uh, some tips from um, yeah. So it's the forecast isn't great, so I would put Vaseline on everything, um, feet everything. Um, also for him, I um, have a bit of a strategy, so like a pacing strategy to make sure he doesn't run too fast, start too fast. So you know that first part where you start in Devonport, it's all hilly and coming up to Kakapuna. So take the first five to eight k's pretty slowly, and then get over the bridge. Also, um, I. Talk to him, make sure he's working on his fueling and his hydration too, starting that early and just so that he's got, you know, enough energy to get through it. But just have a plan, have a plan, make sure he's not doing too much, you know, going out too fast. But yeah, just prepare for the for the rain as well. So Vaseline, Vaseline. <laughs> and have some clean, <laughs> uh, dry clothes at the end too to change into. That's a big one. So when he finishes, make sure that he's, you know, gets out of those wet clothes and puts something dry on as well, something warm and dry. Very yeah, wise words, like Kitty. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. <laughs> Soak it and enjoy it. You yeah. enjoy your 200th. Very quickly, we just need to shoot off, but how do people, if people wanted to donate to your cause? Um, there's a page on on the Auckland Marathon website. It's um, Grassroots, and if they just look for Kerry Price, they, they find it, So, or, or just look for a Gut Cancer Foundation, they will find that there. Yeah. 
Out, There's a link on outstanding. there. Outstanding. All the best. Oh, um, congratulations so much, again. Guys. And here's how, how's a text here. We'll, we'll read you this one to end. It'll all be running my first marathon on Sunday, all supporting, also supporting the Gut Cancer Foundation as our family goes through a tough time with that at the moment. I'll be chasing Kitty in that five-hour balloon. Well, good on you, and well done to everybody getting out there on Sunday. That is Kitty Price running a 200th marathon. Yes, you heard that right, 200th marathon. And her fastest ever times in the Auckland Marathon. But just a pace setter on Sunday. Good luck to everybody out there. We'll be back to finish the hour with some texts after this. How good, mate. Imagine trying to tackle that Norm Berryman in the centres. I reckon he would have been a good league player. You know, Rachel, because I'm a league man. I'm not a rugby man. You you think everyone would have been You reckon Izzy would have been able to tackle me? Would he catch you? <laughs> I wouldn't be able to catch him. I wasn't that quick. I think that's what she meant. <laughs> uh, we better just cut straight to the chase then. I gave the big wind up, the big tease. Good enough to come and join us in Whangarei. And the rental, the shiny wee rental hasn't been dinged up yet. It's Rachel Burford. Rachel, thanks so much for coming down. Oh, no, my pleasure. And it's awesome to have you here in New Zealand and in Whangarei. Um, obviously, got it wearing a few different caps during the World Cup. Yeah, um, yeah, really pleased to be back in New Zealand. I've toured here a couple of times as a player, um, so now kind of on the other foot of it. Um, but yeah, loving it so far. Um, haven't got to see too much, but managed to escape yesterday and have a little look around. And I've been given, I've been told where the best fish and chip shop in the 100%. world, not just in New Zealand, oh, oh, is. Don't say that. And I know the fish, I lived in the UK for seven years, and I know the fish and chips over there, <laughs> they are garbage. So you want to have real fish and chips? Monganui. Monganui. Go there. You're going to start a civil war on the text machine if you try and claim it. Because you know that everybody reckons they've got the best fish and chip oh, shop in the world. I know, I know, I know. But, but I, have, I have eaten a few fish and chips, mate, and pretty hard to beat. I believe you, Kempe. Um So a bit of commentating, and like your player representation role, are you doing much of that down here, or is it mostly just the broadcasting side of things? No, so broadcasting probably most, like, takes over at the weekends, and then during the week with my international rugby players, Hat on, I've been trying to see as many teams, like the player reps within the teams, just checking in, you know, discussing about the World Cup, but also the, the broader context of the game. We've got big competition next year, the WXV, so just getting players in sight around that, really. So, yeah, it's been good to have a couple of hats out here, working alongside World Rugby, doing some meetings with them as well. Um, but, yeah, so I'm really pleased to be here. How, how far forward has the woman, uh, women's game come since your day, back, you know, you've, you said you've toured down here 2013, 2017, you know, a fair while ago. How far forward has the game come since then? Oh, it's come on leaps and bounds. I think, you know, in terms of what Rugby World Cups, 2006, 2010, 2014, big, you know, there were big stages, but nowhere near the magnitude that it is at the moment. And, you know, it, the media coverage, the the players who are now professional, semi-professional, there's a lot of teams that are moving in that direction. Um, yeah, it's totally transformed. Yeah. And what about, I guess, the professionalism? Because we've only just sort of seen that with our um, wahine down here. They've, they've turned into professionals. But what about the professionalism up in the UK? Because it seems like the UK have jumped forward um, a generation with the way that they're playing. Can you see everyone else catching them up? Are you, and are you actually seeing that in this tournament? Yeah, definitely. Definitely, people can catch up. I think the the key thing is is it's not just a professional contract; it's the infrastructure around it. So in the UK, our domestic league is so strong. Mm. You know, it's um, a semi-professional setup in that there's full-time staff, full-time facilities, um, 
and and that's the difference that's what's also making this red rose team so successful is because they've got week in week out you know good training um, daily training environments the league is very competitive and then that feeds into the international game you can't do it just in isolation mm. and and when you're looking at sort of the competition down here because you've you've obviously run the cutter across all the teams down here we're in, we're in the best part of it now. We start the quarterfinals, we go into the semis, we go into the finals. Everyone down here is talking about the Black Ferns. Can they get through the final, especially after their Northern Tour last year? Have you seen a difference in the Black Ferns since that Northern Tour last year, since they went up to the UK, got whipped up by the, by you guys, went to France, got whipped up by France, and then you've seen them here, they're playing tomorrow in Whangarei in their first quarterfinal. Have you seen a difference? Can they compete, do you think? I definitely think they compete. I think, you know, you've seen a transformation in the last, what, eight months. It feels like a real acceleration towards this World Cup and the investment that they put in. I think the performances have really shown that, you know, that they're, they're physical, they're organised, they, they've got the ability and they've got so many talented players. It's about bringing it together. And, you know, they've gone through a hell of a lot, really challenging, not played for, what was it, three years? They hadn't played Test Rugby, I think. Or was it two years for, mm. due, due to covid come over to Northern Tour, take biggest losses that they've ever experienced. Then they go through a turmoil with the changes in management and now they're settled. And I think when you bring all of that put together, you know, that can really strengthen a group, the connection, um, as well as how talented they all are. And I think that's the, that's the thing. I remember talking to, um, I think it was you guys, about a year ago about, well, what's going to happen with New Zealand? It's not like you're starting from scratch. It's not like you haven't got really talented, intelligent you know, rugby players who know the game in and out is just kind of those extra bits around strength and conditioning, time together that you needed, and now you've got that. Yeah, they needed to close the professional golf, and I, I think the um, the point you make around the cultural side of it and becoming a team, they've not wasted any time and resource. They've got one of the smartest and most well-respected um, men, Alan Bunting, in there working mm. as a, pretty much a cultural leader, and you know, I think if you can read between the lines, he'll probably end up taking over the, the reins of the team eventually. But at the moment, just working on those connections and making sure the team's in a good place mentally, spiritually, before they even step on the field. But I guess results are results. And the question that we keep getting is around set piece and can they stack up up front? Can they be physical enough to beat France and England? I mean, in the short of it, do you think they can? It's a challenging one, isn't it? I think we've seen them improve week on week. You know, they'll be tested in the set piece and then the next week you'd see elements of improvement. But it's challenging because, you know, I'm not, I've never been near the, the scrum, but you need experience, don't you? That you can have the best coach in the world and you can have a lot of time, but it's about playing, it's about getting reps in. Mileage. Exactly. And so that's just where they are slightly vulnerable. But having said that, you know, you've seen them stack up, you've seen them turn up, you've seen them, you know, that even that week between the two England tests, they transformed their line out, their scrum improved. So they've got the, the materials and the tools. It's just that experience element of, you know, test caps in that position under pressure against some of the big guns that, you know, you can't speed that up. No, it's, it's a good point, and like uh, Pip Love's been there or thereabouts. You've got Georgia Ponson, who's played 10 tests, Amy Rule, 9. The full pack in general, uh, you've got no one that's played more than Pip Love with 22 tests. So um, then you've obviously go back to Kendra Coxedge and Ruhe DeMont, the most experienced players in the back line. So it is by, and, and you made the point, they didn't play test rugby for so long, so a lot of players have missed out on that high-level 
experience. On the flip side, what do we know about the French? Because they've been touted. They look like they're the real deal. We could end up facing them. They play Italy at 4.30pm just across the road. How experienced are they and what sort of squad do they have? Do they play like the men's side, for example? They'll run it from the end of the earth if they have to? Uh, well, expect the unexpected from France. Uh, so, yes, they are very much like the men's. Um, yeah, I think France are one of the most physical teams that are here at the World Cup, but organised. Um, their biggest weapon is around their set piece as well. But they are quite a young squad and, mm. and don't have as many caps as what everybody may think. Um, and I think they've got vulnerabilities within their, within their side. And I think even though you know, they stacked up well against England, they played well against Fiji, these are the games where losing Law San Seuss will be really critical. Um, they're number nine who, mm. you know, she's the talisman for them. Everything that kind of comes alive is them and she can be a match winner. And, you know, that comes into knockout rugby where you need somebody like that in your team. And, and to lose her is, is massive for them. So talk about your your team, the Roses. You know, you've got, like I've watched them, they've got a decent kicking game, you know, which you don't see in women's rugby. Um, they're physical. They look really well drilled. Mids has done a really good job with them as far as the coaching goes. But tell us a little bit oh, he's about... A, he's a leaguey, actually. Of course he's a leaguey. That's why they're playing so well. Um, <laughs> but tell us a little bit about your side. Like, you know, they are the favourites. Everyone in New Zealand with a brain knows that they're the favourites. But why are they so good? Yeah, I like, you know, I don't think they're shying away from the fact that they are the favourites. But I think it's just the individual brilliance that they all have. They've all got a super strength that they can bring that can contribute to to the side and but but I think what the difference is and this becomes part of that professionalism is their level of detail on mm. everything it really matters you know there's not a moment that goes unmissed when they're doing a walkthrough everything's spot on and if it's not they go back and do it again so they're so detailed in what they do that that's what makes them so good around the park they're understanding their game understanding you know, and then you look at, you know, they've got multiple kicking frecks. Not, they're not just relying on one player in their no. team, which some, some of the other teams at the moment do. Their physicality, the mobile ability of that pack. You know, Sarah Byrne, who yeah. can And they handled that really well, eh? They, they, got up, they got put under a bit of pressure by the French. And, and that was, you know, you, you see there's in, in our game, the Kangaroos, the, the Australian side in rugby league, are the side that always go out and win football games, you know. But when they get put under pressure which is very rarely, you, you see the real side come out of them. You've seen a little bit of that around the, their game against France. Do you think there is enough pressure in this quarterfinals to maybe challenge them before they get there? I hope so. I really think that, you know, Australia have got some, they've got some really strong um, defenders. Now, if you can hit England back over the game line and put them backwards, that, that England are great, right, when they've got a great set piece going forward, ball carriers over the game line they've got all the momentum they want quick routes if you can stifle the quick ball then that's where they struggled and that's what we saw against mm. France you know they struggled to attack on the back foot being double tackled slowed down the breakdown so and I think Australia have that in them to do that I don't think it'll be enough to win the game mm. but I definitely think that they could put England under pressure and and spook them a little bit at times so in that chasing pack Australia um, obviously France and Italy uh, well Italy probably less, um, also Wales, Canada, they've had their moments throughout the years, been really good team, put out great squads. In that chasing pack, where is the progression coming from in world rugby in, in that kind of next tier, those quarterfinal and pool sort of sides? Is there a growth country or a couple that are starting to put their hands up? 
Well, I definitely think, you know, Italy, even though the, they've been there or thereabouts, they've had some really incredible results over the last two years within the Six Nations and um, the way that they've been playing here to get to a quarterfinals the first ever for men or women. Um, so they're definitely a rising they're definitely a rising star of a group of team. They recently had 25 contracts um, provided to them earlier on this year. So their yeah, momentum good. is really moving. Um, so I'd probably say Italy's out, out of the teams that are here at the moment. But Fiji was phenomenal at this World Cup. I know they're not into the mm. quarterfinals, but the way they played. And, and they don't have a lot of investment at the moment. So just think of where, if, if they could have more investment, more tests, more time together, where they could be in 2025. I mean, they put three tries against England. To give some content to that, only two tries were scored through the whole Six Nations tournament against England and they come and in 40 and minutes put three. yeah wow that is so good look you're Stats. You're, in New, <laughs> you're in New Zealand I hear a little bit of a rumour Rachel that you're actually um, wanting to stay here <laughs> and you're looking for that that right person I'll tell you what boys if you go and pass just give us a two you know drop in SENZ here sitting outside the chemist warehouse Rachel Burford she wants to stay in New Zealand Come on, fellas. What do you reckon, Rachel? <laughs> Great place, eh, New Zealand? You yeah, love it? it is lovely. I'm not sure about staying here permanently, but definitely coming back for a visit. <laughs> Very good, Kempi. Hey, uh, there's a text here from um, Cam, who, which it said, it's Cam, isn't it? Yes, it is Cam. Hey, let's, how good would an IPL-style competition for women's rugby be? Would give our Kiwi girls more exposure in the Northern Hemisphere players and give fans of rugby and women's rugby more reasons to watch the games and build up to these events. What are your thoughts? I'm curious, you mentioned something earlier. You were mm. here getting um, responses and just finding out where people are before. Was it WXV? XV, yeah. So what, what is that and what can we expect on this kind of, kind of where Cam's going? So... Um, 2023 is when the launch of the WXV, which is the global window. So regional windows, Pack 4, Six Nations, you qualify from that into the WXV where there's going to be three levels of six teams, which allows crossover competition on a yearly basis. So therefore, you're getting more tests, yeah. more um, investment throughout the year to lead into it. So, you know, that's going to be massive for the, for the women's the game. When is the window, Rachel? What, what It'll part be, of the year? Um, at the end of the year, so between like kind of November, October time, October, November time. How, how good, you know, like you guys are just way too smart. You've you've had you've had a man's game been playing rugby for so many years, and you guys have come up with this concept overnight. <laughs> you should come come to our sport, come to rugby league. We're looking for more international games. We only get to play one game a year normally, international, um, in a professional competition down here called the NRL, with that running for twenty six weeks. And um, I can see women's Rachel, and, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, I can see women's rugby exploding, you know, because what you've got down here is the Black Ferns, but you've got a Pacific of, um, which is what we've seen in, in our sport, the Tongans, Samoans, the Fijians, the Cook Islanders, Papua New Guinea, um, who are all up in the Rugby League World Cup, and you are just spoken about Fiji, and of course a lot of the girls in our Black Ferns are Pacific Islanders. Is that where... This type, that type of competition that you're talking about, is that sort of enticing to know that the Pacific actually can break off from just being the Black Ferns and support uh, probably six teams in that competition quite easily? Yeah, I really hope so. You know, Samoa have historically been involved in World Cups and COVID didn't allow them to, to be able to try and qualify for here. Um, so 
the encouragement of those teams now having opportunities to qualify to be part of you know a, a year on year competition that's the important thing here it's not mm. just a couple of unions and and this is part of the reason why you know England is so strong is because there was nothing kind of in in place so they just went and organized tests and that's why they've got as many caps as they have within their team it's because year on year they're going out sorting themselves out as is France um you know every now and then we might play the black ferns but this gives a clear vision every year you're going to have like x it. amount of tests so you need to build a program around that so then that gives you know security you know certainty to all those teams being involved and and that will be the difference and if if whatever teams get into those three levels you know then you think about 2025 we're going to 16 teams that's going to really strengthen what that 2025 is going to look like yeah well, of course and and global calendars are always the headache right like how many how For long the men. yeah wow <laughs> You're, that's exactly where i was going and it's been the age-old issue you know they can't get this nation's league up and running because there's so many egos in the room they'll smack their head when they walk through um and they just can't figure it out and here kempi's making the point like how good is that that just like that which is probably because there hasn't been enough of it yeah yeah and it's we've the had a blank it's the void paper, the void we? the yeah. void is there to be filled but that's positive so one year away we can look forward to that I mean, it's just amazing to think this time next year we'll have both the men's and women's probably touring up in Europe at the same time. Hopefully that's enough time to make sure that we're all right with the schedules. Well, next year's the Men's World Cup. Don't oh. be doing no clashes. No, there's no... Well, there's no <laughs> or don't, hey, don't worry. There won't be. Because <laughs> okay, yeah, no, it's the Men's yeah. World Cup. G- great point there. Um, yeah, this is the World Cup next year. So back-to-back World Cups, and then obviously it'll go back to the... Because we had the COVID delay, so they'll be back on the two-year cycle, won't they? Cause 25, tw- yeah, 27. Yeah. Yeah, so they'll be back on the two-year cycle after that. Hey, Rachel, we're going to let you crack on with your day. There's a couple of fish and chip messages here. <laughs> fish and chips, Bobby's on Tauranga Wharf, off the boat, into the fryer. <laughs> um, also, so th- there's one for you. Um, uh, we had another one here somewhere. Some people have, are getting very parochial about their fish and chip shops. Be watching all the games for the Women's Rugby World Cup, and the best fish and chips are in Wellington by far, says <laughs> Michael. Um, uh, not a chance. Yeah, I can't, I can't see that. I feel that like there should be a, you should do a tour. <laughs> Checking <laughs> out all the fish and chip shops. I tell you what, get on our get on our um, our page, ECNZ, and have a listen to the sausage story yesterday. You'll oh. absolutely wet yourself. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Boy, set me up. Talking about sausages, big bangers. Was, oh no! <laughs> it was absolutely. I, I was the biggest, biggest get they've ever had. Seriously. <laughs> so if you want, if you want to have a laugh today, sit in your car, just tune into. Yeah, that. it was Rachel's idea, eh? <laughs> Cut it out. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> no. I, 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 seriously, I'm so gullible. The trust, the trust has been completely corrupted. Yeah. 23 minutes past 8 o'clock. Um, we, you don't need tickets to go to the game on Sunday. You'll be there. You're going back to Auckland to Waitakere. We've got a couple of double passes if you want to swing by on your way to work in Whangarei this morning here at Chemist Warehouse. Come and pick them up. Thank you so much and awesome to oh, see, so you, cool. see you down here. Thanks so much for reaching out. Great of you to um, want to grow the game in any capacity, any medium you can. It's really cool. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure, and I listen to you guys all the time. So, well, while I'm in New Zealand, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and we're here in preparation for the Rugby World Cup quarterfinals: France, Italy, 4:30 p.m. tomorrow. Then it is the feature: 7:30, Black Ferns versus Wales. It's quarterfinal footy, and I can only imagine the hype, the buzz, the butterflies. Everything is churning around in the Black Ferns camp right now. Let's go into and catch up with one of our uh, favourites. She's a star player. It's Alana Bremner. Morning, Alana. How are you doing? Morning, good, thank you. How are you? 
Yeah, we're, we're doing super. We're very excited, as you can probably tell. What about yourself? Are you keeping calm and keeping busy? Yeah, it's been pretty good. Um, lots of the leaders, I guess, have been chatting to us this week around this feeling and a few have experienced, you know, quarterfinals at a World Cup before. Not too many of us, but um, a few have. So it's been pretty good getting insight um, from them and obviously the coaching group that have that have been to a few World Cups as well. So um, it's been it's been really good and I've just been enjoying talking to others that have kind of been through this and knowing that these nerves are normal and, and okay. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's nice, Alana. How's the week been? The training been? Are you guys ready to hit the field running? Oh, the training has been amazing. We've been into Takaka and it's absolutely beautiful up here. So, been recovering at the beach, and I think it's just been nice and refreshing coming out of the city. So, everyone's pretty happy around camp at the moment. Um, trainings have been going well, and yeah, well, I think we're really looking forward to the weekend come Saturday. The competitive nature of selection has been something else. I mean, this I thinking back to when the squad was selected, there was so much pressure around that. But to get the best side and the best 23, Wayne Smith and his crew would have had to dig pretty deep to work it out. Has you Have you felt that in the trainings and in the week? Was there a real edge for selection? Yeah, it must be pretty challenging for the coaches, like all the girls put their hand up. I mean, you guys probably know those at Thursday trainings we have, it's pretty much just running at each other, full contact game, and everyone wants to be in that jersey, but once the team's name, we're always, you know, really happy, and the girls, we call them the backbone that aren't playing, really get in behind and, and help the ones that have been chosen to play that week, but yeah, it must be must be really tricky, and I think Smithy kind of says that at the end of the day, we kind of choose ourselves, I guess, so there's a bit of that as well. We just focus on putting our best foot forward at training and and the results will come or might not be your week and might not be the kind of game we're trying to play or whatever. So yeah, it's been it's been actually really positive um around selection and and yeah, a lot of girls just putting their hand up and it's it must be must be really hard those selection meetings. Hey Alana yeah, I, I can I can attest to that. They are hard picking decent side when you've got players playing out of their skin. And have you have you noticed that? Have you noticed the expectation over the last few weeks slowly building to the quarterfinals, um, and that the country is actually getting behind you, girl, um, or you women playing to to try and achieve the the ultimate goal? Have you have you been feeling that? Absolutely. When we rocked up on the bus. Um, in the weekend to Whangarei we just saw that whole bank full and it was only a few months ago we were playing pack four there and there wasn't many people at all so it was super special to see all of Northland and even when we were in Auckland get behind us all the messages of support we've received and it's been it's been a really special feeling um, in the camp and in our team we've had 31 out of 32 of our squad play and our co-captain um Kenny Simons is coming out this weekend to play, so it's been really special for all the Fano and I think people have had, you know, a lot of support at all the games, so it's been it's been amazing. The team is stacked. <laughs> you kind of mentioned it before. Like the team, the team is stacked. It's a twenty-three <laughs> that jumps off. It jumps off the paper, and if it all clicks, it really could be a seminal moment in the World Cup. If you guys are going to go on and do something special, so I think a lot of people will be watching, expecting big things, and, and probably none more so than you guys yourselves tomorrow night, Alana. But set piece, set piece, set piece. We keep hearing about it. Can we expect a bit of a statement performance in that aspect of the game? 
Yeah, I think that's one thing that can really get a full pack up. Um, we didn't perform as well as we wanted to at all against Wales last time. And um, some of the stuff we did around the field was great, but at set pace time, our scrum, our mall defence just wasn't good enough. So there's been a big focus on that. And we're looking to um, really improve in those areas because it's something, you know, these next few games you're not going to get away with. But some of that, um, you know, poor scrums and poor mall defence that we had. Uh, probably a big thing also is just the discipline as well. Um, don't even... Give them the opportunity to line out, you know, and mull. These Northern Hemisphere teams, they love a mull kind of anywhere um, and will drive anywhere amongst the field, though. So um, it's been something Chrono and Whitney have been working really hard with against us, just making sure we've got our systems and, and mindset is a huge part of that. So we've been making sure we've been working on that the last the last couple of weeks. Awesome insight. That's great insight, Alana. And you can expect the blindside flanker to get up and lay a massive shot and start set the tone, right? <laughs> yeah, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> get in there, get in there, go on. No, no worries about that, Lana. Thanks for joining us this morning on Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Alana, all the best. You've got the whole country this morning. Can't wait for the game. And uh, you, go, you girls will go out there and you give, you give your guts for the country and get out there and win this game, okay? Thank you for your support. All the New Zealand support. It's been amazing. Yeah, awesome. There you go, Lada Bremner. Uh, she's a star of the full pack. She's played awesome um, at FPC level for a long time now. And she can play. She, she can play. She will have to go to another level if they want to win this World Cup. And more defence, um, not letting the Europeans get away with it, the UK teams get away with those easy metres and set piece and then just physicality. And field position. Like, you know, one, of the, one of the things is I, I want to see um, Ruhi Damont and her field position and her kicking game really go to another level tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. Field position's an interesting one in um, in women's rugby mm. at the moment. Like, there's a, I think there'll be, you'll see a huge, I think you'll see huge development in kicking over the next wee while. So I'd say that's a real growth area. And having Dan Carter in and out of those camps with the Black Ferns, oh, priceless. Oh, absolutely priceless. priceless. And you can, you've, just from what you can, the glimpses you see on social media, you kind of get the feeling that he has really opened the page for them and, and showing them a, a world in which they can use their boot and just some simple technical stuff. That How can, good was he at it? Oh, you the best, in, you got the best in the world doing it. Control a game with his foot. And, and, and Rachel said that. Rachel said that, play on the back foot. Get them on the back foot, you know, that's where they need to go in these next couple of games, and the way to do that is by winning the field position. Hey, Dave says Polly Gray wins the Rosewood Gold Cup by peeking through with a blinding run. Dave, is it wet over there? Because I probably agree. She's been ready to go huge for a while now. We're nine minutes away from nine o'clock. Remember, our Movember competition with Drive is not far away from being set up. We're going... To be setting them challenge... Well, we're actually all going to have a challenge. We're collectively setting ourselves a challenge week by week through Movember. Go to Movember and search for Team ECNZ and you can donate. If you're happy with the way we are going, if you can donate just a wee bit, that would mean a whole lot to us and a lot of people involved with Movember. It's a great cause. This evening on Drive, we will settle what the challenge is going to be. Kempi has got an ingenious... He's got an ingenious sol- solution, but we're still in negotiations about whether it goes over the line. <laughs> we'll, we'll tip you off. Kempi wants us in Drive show to do 10 press-ups, is it? 10, ten press-ups. Every commercial break? Every every five-minute break it is. So Three an hour? Three an hour. So you, you, you know, you get, you get 100 press-ups out every show for the week. 500 press-ups. 
I think it's a terrible idea with the size of my arms. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.